0: Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott, and today you are going to hear me on the So Lead Saturday podcast, uh, where we spoke about strategic marketing and branding. I hope you enjoy.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 61 of Solid Saturday. The guest we have today is Scott D. Cleary. He is a career sales and marketing executive. He rewrites the playbook on sales, marketing, brand and tech to market strategy from startups to enterprise. Scott's worked with executives and entrepreneurs to 10x their businesses. He has sold and marketed to the most iconic F500, F100 brands throughout his career. His work has been featured in over 100 plus news sites and publications. He speaks globally at industry conferences and has had articles and insights featured in Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Hacker Noon, The Startup and others. He currently runs a global SaaS sales and marketing organization and is the host of the success story podcast where he interviews inspirational people, mentors and leaders. Wow. Thank you so much, Scott, for being my guest and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show.
0: No, oh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate uh I'm glad we're finally gonna do this because as you know, as you know, we've been trying to organize this for a while. So I'm excited to to speak about sales, marketing, my career, all that. Yep.
1: Thank you so much and a warm welcome on the podcast or the show. And uh, I'm really excited to hear more from you because you are a lot more experienced podcast host. So I would definitely learn more about marketing strategies plus something about the podcast as well. So to begin with, our first uh, segment is about passion and interest. So how did you find your interest in marketing and sales and what motivates you to be in this field?
0: Sure. Um, So what got me interested first in sales was really... um, uh, just a great career opportunity at the time when I was still in uh, well high school, university. I've always been very charismatic. I always felt comfortable selling things. So what got me into my first professional sales career was actually a friend who uh, gave me the opportunity to apply for a company called Bell Canada. So Bell Canada is a huge telecom. So think uh, phones and internet. Um, they're a huge telecom giant. So I, I started working for them when I was in university. Um, I was working in sales, in retail. So okay. in the stores, in the mall, selling cell phones, uh, selling internet plans. Okay. Um, and I was always good at it. Now, at the time, I had no idea why I was good at it. I just was, I had lots of energy. I was very charismatic, very outgoing. And that translated well into selling. Okay. Um, now, my my family is not an entrepreneurial family, not even a, a very technical family. Like my my family is very... Uh, traditional in the sense that my, my father worked for government. Um, mm-hmm. My mother worked for universities, educational institutions. So moving into tech sales for me was moving away from what I really had known growing up. And um, it, was, it, it was exciting for me. Uh, it wasn't the path that I was really planning on taking. I was actually planning on going into policing or, or law. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of my undergrad and that was my career path. But, um, you know, like I said, I got the job in university. I was doing well. Um, When I graduated university after my undergrad, I kind of had two options. I could go back to school. I guess three options. I could go into uh, policing, which was something that my father, my grandfather, uh, my uncle, they were all uh, police officers at one stage in their career. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I could go into law school. I'd go and apply for law school, which is about, you know, another, I don't know how many for another four years of, of education or I could keep going down the path I was at, which was wow. in tech sales. So Bell Canada, a lot of room for opportunity, a lot of room to move. I moved from um, retail into actual, uh, into actual head office. I was doing uh, small business, um, wow. telco sales. So at that point I was selling cell phones, internet, I was selling uh, hardware, phone systems, uh, networking, um, and other, other things that came along with that. So I was doing well, sort of moved up in the company, kept moving up, kept moving up, kept moving up, um, and kept just sort of doing quite well. Now, still, not a lot of formal sales training at this point. Um, Moving up in a large organization like that, uh, looking back, it's almost unfortunate that I didn't have more actual tangible sales training, but I did well. And I always Mm was exceeding my numbers, overachieving on my targets, whatever those may be. So, you know, you find something that you're good at. Um, It's probably the most money at that time that I could have made without You know, again, I did an undergraduate degree um, in, in social sciences. So without going into law school, there's only so many ways you can make a lot of money at that age. Um, so moving up my career, I did well in sales. After uh, I actually, at one point I switched companies, I moved into uh, sales leadership and started learning more about marketing because the company I moved into at the time was a smaller company called Digicom. Um, sales and marketing were much closer. It was a much smaller company. Uh-huh. So, um, when you start, when you start working in sales at the company, you have direct exposure to marketing and how you market, and how you brand and SEO and social and driving traffic. Whereas at Bell Canada, you don't have that exposure because uh-huh. the company's enormous. So moved to a smaller company, got a little bit of exposure. Um, and then I went into consulting. So after I decided, you know, at this point in my career, I wanted to try and be entrepreneurial. Um, wanted to help companies out. I've always wanted to do my own thing. So I went into consulting and that's really where I doubled down on marketing. That's sort of what led to my passion of marketing and sales because I was really good at sales. I had sort of perfected my craft. I understood how to sell across a variety of markets, but I also understood how to lead salespeople and grow sales organizations. I understood that marketing was a component of that and I started to do sort of more self-education, more trial and error more learning and incorporate that into my sales strategy because at the end of the day, um, a true strong sales leader or a true strong revenue uh, marketing leader should have uh, an idea of the entire scope of of the revenue organization, the sales and marketing, and that alignment is really uh-huh. crucial. And I understood that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, the way I'm understanding it is like you know, it is like a self-evolving uh, career journey that you have mm-hmm. uh, like you're pursuing your passion. And even though you had like a well-established family, which is in the law firm or the other areas, you did not follow that particular field, which is like, you know, very important to understand when it comes to the passion or the area of interest, that Mm -hmm. you choose your area of interest and, you know, drive towards it and uh, more or focus on it and build your career. So thank you so much. It's quite inspiring. Yeah, no,
0: no. I was going to say, I was going to say that's, that is very important. And I think that as i like grew my career um i i started to see pieces like it's it's fun to do things and to excel at them Mm -hmm. but it's also very fun when you see how the result of of strategy of understanding the different concepts and the Mm -hmm. drivers of what make people buy and make people interested in the brand how those come together and how those can turn into a playbook that you can use in a variety of different organizations industries Mm -hmm. truly agnostic of what you're doing. You start to understand like the higher level concepts of what drives sales, drives demand, drives revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I don't know if everybody who goes into consulting would ever connect those dots, but that's something that I did. And I found it interesting and I nerded out at that stuff. And that's, you know, I still try and learn as much as I can about that because I just enjoy it. I enjoy figuring out and being on the bleeding edge of what's working in sales and marketing and building business.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing and definitely it is useful for the students and the professionals who are in their earlier earlier career journey actually to see that you know how the experimentation and that it is important that how you drive towards your passion. So thank you so much. Moving towards our next segment is about questions from the audience where I shortlisted a couple of questions for you. So our first question is you know what are some of the best practices when it comes to media marketing, social media marketing?
0: Sure. Um, so some of the best practices. Uh, I think I want to premise with this. A lot of social media, and we're talking in B2B, so business to business social uh-huh. media. Um, that's what I know well, and that's what, I, that's what I'm sort of working in now. A lot of what you see out there is not great. The, uh-huh. the bar for social media and B2B is quite low, and a lot of companies don't do a great job of it, uh-huh. mostly because they're worried about how they're going to be perceived. They're worried about Crossing that veil from corporate to human, and they and they maintain this image, right? They maintain this sort of cold corporate image when they put out content. Uh-huh. Um, I think that that has sort of become the status quo, which is unfortunate because true, true good social media is not about talking at somebody. Uh-huh. It's not about communicating at somebody. It's building a community and communicating with somebody. Uh-huh. So. The conversation, the framework of the conversation has to change. The, the lens that you look at social media has to change from talking and communicating at, talking about products, talking about announcements, talking about milestones, talking about we won this award, we made this much money, we ach- achieved these revenue milestones, we launched this new product, we launched this new feature. Most people don't care about that stuff. What they do care about is as an organization... Mm-hmm. Are you answering questions? Are you helping people with their problems? Are you helping with their problems, regardless of whether or not it's gonna serve you as a company? Mm-hmm. So you're building a community around the, the people, like the tribe that you eventually will hope will buy your product, but you can't have that in mind when you create content for social media or when you have a presence on social media. And that's what a lot of people do wrong. So to do yeah. it right, it's to communicate with your audience and to become more of a, more of a trusted resource. For people uh-huh. to go to versus just uh, like almost like um, an uh, an entity that just just releases the latest news updates uh-huh. on what they're doing because nobody really cares about that. But people do yeah. care about somebody who can help them. So yeah. that's that's like the high level about how you should approach social media. And like you can go into each platform,
1: uh-huh. and you can go
0: into what type of content works best on each platform. Uh-huh. But whatever platform you choose, make sure that it is with that lens of helping, answering questions, Mm
1: -hmm. being
0: there for your audience, your community, and being and, and creating content that supports them and not speaks at them. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, yes. Definitely it makes sense and hope that audience also find it useful because there are a lot of people nowadays, you know, working on towards the branding and how it is important when you are thinking about the personal brand, how important it is to, you know, stand for your communities. So thank you so much for sharing. And the next question that we have from the audience is how one can have an effective strategy for their branding? Actually, I just tried to club it together because there were some questions around specific products. Mm -hmm. So I just made it like, you know, a general question where um, if in general you have to tell like an effective strategy for personal branding or the professional branding or any like a product or services branding, what would you like to tell about the strategy?
0: Sure. So great question. Cause it's important. And I think that there's a lesson that you can learn from from what I'm going to tell you that can be applied to uh, a business that's trying to create a brand or an individual that's trying to create a strong personal brand, right? Because that's something that people are working on now a lot. They understand the value of social selling. So when you are trying to create a strong brand, you have to identify who your brand's communicating with. Who are you speaking to as a brand, as a company or as a person? So identify the profile of the individual or the company that you want to be speaking to identify um, in sales or marketing at a professional level you'll consider this the ideal customer profile or the target customer profile and then the buyer persona so you have to have some idea of your customer profile the types of companies that you want to communicate with or the types of people that you want to communicate with and the persona, what is what, what do they live? What is their reality? What is their job title? What are the, the, the troubles that they're experiencing during the day? Because when you know who these individuals are, now you want to tailor the content that you put out uh-huh. to these individuals. And uh-huh. another thing too, I'm talking about building out this, these groups that you want to target with your brand. Uh-huh. But you should know that if you're going to target these groups, you should be speaking from a place of experience. So you shouldn't be coming and and communicating with these individuals without knowing anything about what they do. Mm -hmm. If you are going to be building a professional brand, I'm assuming to sell something or to market something, you should have experience Mm -hmm. that will allow you to create content that speaks to the pain points and the problems Mm -hmm. of the personas that you're trying to communicate with. If you don't have that experience and go, then go do research and go understand so that you're, you're speaking from an intelligent place because um, you want to be, again, it's all about answering questions, providing value to the people that you want to communicate with. And when those people see your content, they will recognize you. And I don't love the word, but it, is, it, it, it captures what you're doing. They'll see you as a subject matter expert or a thought leader in a certain particular space, answering questions, communicating on social media, uh-huh. About certain content. And when you do that, that's creating a really strong personal brand because you know what you're talking about, because you've either lived it or you've done research uh-huh. on that particular topic. You'll build a level of trust because what you're saying is resonating with the people that you're communicating with. And yeah. that's how you build a strong brand. And that's, again, it's all value, right? You're not asking for a sale, you're not asking them to buy uh-huh. something, but you can be damn sure that when that person is looking into a solution to solve one of their problems they're going to They're going to have a level of trust with, with, in you as a brand or as a person because mm-hmm. you've been building that content, you've been building that level of trust with them over a period of time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. And definitely it's insightful because I see that it is a lot more popular nowadays uh, because a lot more people are active on creating their own brands, whether it is a personal, professional, or specific to their data, like you know, products or services. So thank you so much. Definitely it is insightful. Moving towards our next section is about the fun segment where I'm going to give you like a three words, okay. and uh, which are moreover associated with your profile and the experience, and you have to tell me what comes to your mind immediately. Okay, so let's read, do
0: it. Yeah, yeah, it is
1: just like abstract content. So the first word is marketing.
0: Marketing. Um, uh, authenticity.
1: Wow, that's a very good one. Um, the next one is branding.
0: Branding um, uh, only one word, or can I be a sentence?: <laughs> Yeah,
1: you know not one word, you can do. Oh, what,
0: what comes to mind? Branding is controlling people's perception of who you are as a company or as a person.
1: Wow.
0: So you want to do it, and you want to brand yourself as a person or brand yourself as a company, because if you uh-huh. don't, they'll have a perception of you anyways.
1: Wow, this is the good one. And uh, the third keyword is
0: like growth.
1: Growth?
0: Yeah. Um I would say growth would be effective strategy to align align people's problems
1: mm-hmm.
0: with with your strengths. Wow. <laughs>
1: yeah, so that's a really, really because good definition.
0: Yeah, the only I want to give context to that, just because uh-huh. growth can mean a lot of things, but I, I firmly believe that if you can understand somebody's problems and you fill that void as a person or as a brand, you will always experience growth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Thank you so much. And our next segment is about exploring your career, work, and volunteering. Already you mentioned a couple of very insightful things about your own career journey and how did you end up having your passion but we are going to explore a little bit spe- little bit specific about your work so the first question under that segment is you are a member of revenue collective and uh, exclusive global global community for commercial growth operators would you like to share more insights to the audience what does that mean and how do you work for that
0: yeah sure so revenue collective like you mentioned is a community of sales and marketing leaders um it was founded by sam jacobs um It's an incredible community. Basically what it's doing and the gap that he's filling
1: Uh is he's
0: creating a community for people who have career questions, who have process questions, who Uh have day-to-day job questions because he's found that once you get to a certain level in your career, the only person you can really ask for Uh help in the company that you're working at would be the CEO, right? If you're, if you're high enough up, there's really no one else. Like you, you have a perception that, you know, everything you're hired to know everything. So sometimes it's hard to go to this and you should always feel comfortable going to your CEO and asking questions. But for example, if you have a question on a sales process or a marketing strategy or whatever, maybe you rather rely on different peers, right? Versus your CEO who may not even know what the best possible uh, opportunity is. So there's a couple options. You can go get a mentor or what, you know, what Revenue Collective is, is it's basically a group of peers and mentors that you can rely on 24-7, 365 that have all done it before. So, um, you know, everything from negotiating a job contract, you obviously are going to have a hard time negotiating a job contract or the legalities of a job contract with your CEO who has a vested interest in the company versus you who has a vested interest in yourself. So it's easier to get advice from peers that aren't working with you, right? Aren't involved in um in the company you're actually working at and that's what revenue collective is for now the value of revenue collective um it's immense but the value is because it's a group of people helping one another so to to extrapolate that to people who are listening here the takeaway really is don't do everything yourself everybody at every level sees value in finding peers or mentors to help them figure figure stuff out right if they didn't And Revenue Collective would have never taken off. But the fact that Revenue Collective took off is because certain levels of executives, it's harder to find people who are at your level in the same company you're working at. So that's why it took off. But it doesn't matter what level you're at. Align with people, find mentors who can help you so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's sort of the takeaway. And that's what I enjoy about it, at least
1: wow and uh, the, that is like an important highlight also that you mentioned that how important it is to get the proper mentoring mm-hmm. as well so which is like you know uh important aspect i guess when it comes to business or any start of business or when you look mm-hmm. at the revenue and the profit so thank you so much moving towards our next question is you are svp of marketing and sales so while dealing with any customer how do you handle the rejections
0: Sure, um, rejection is a daily a daily part of anyone who's selling anything uh-huh. um, depending on depending on if you're in marketing sometimes you don't deal direct with the customers, although I would argue that you probably should at some point to understand the conversations that they're having with uh, with your sales team. But um, how do you deal with rejection? How do I deal with rejection? well, I don't take it personally because it's never personal mm-hmm. it's it's a misalignment between what you're So there's many reasons for rejection, right? Like it, there's probably too many reasons to really just even understand and go over right now, but it's yeah. a, it's a misalignment between what you're offering and what the customer wants to purchase or feels they need to purchase. So every time you get rejection, um, if anything, it's really just a learning opportunity as it should be in life. Whenever you fail at something, you learn from it, you get better. But in a commercial context, a lot of people take rejection as um, I lost the deal. Well, you know, I lost the deal. We were too expensive or they went with a, another provider, whatever. And that's that that is that could be the case. But if you just leave it at that, then you are missing out on the benefit of losing that deal. And what I mean by that is of course you're not going to get the money in the bank, you're not going to get the revenue, but you can learn. You can you can you can reach out to customers, you can conduct interviews, surveys. You can if you've built a really strong relationship with the customer, which you should have at an enterprise level, at least. Um, it's not its not um, a, a, a odd or awkward request to just have a casual conversation with the buyer or your contact or your decision maker and ask,
1: mm-hmm. like, why
0: are we losing that deal? What made you look at another company? And it could be like you didn't position, you didn't position your product properly. You didn't, um, you probably didn't help the person understand the value. Perhaps you weren't uh-huh. speaking to the right person in the company. Perhaps um, it could be, a branding exercise or a messaging exercise. Like there's so many variables, but the point is Mm -hmm. you learn and that's, that's how you deal with rejection. You make an effort to learn from it and to improve whatever part of the business wasn't at, you know, performing at peak level that caused you to lose that deal. And if you handle all rejection that way, I can guarantee you you're, you're, you know, six months from now, a year from now, uh, first of all, your close loss ratio, the amount of deals you're, you're losing is gonna be much less, but also you're gonna have a much stronger business because you've mm-hmm. learned every time you lost a deal and not a lot of businesses do that. So that's something that I would definitely ask you to do if your sales leader, marketing mm-hmm. leader, customer success leader, CEO, doesn't matter. Focus on understanding why, why you lose and, and not mm-hmm. just Because Everyone's like, oh, why did we lose a deal? But do something about it. Take mm-hmm. actionable steps. And and, and bring it into a post mortem so that you can become a better business.
1: Wow, wow. This is really very useful for me as well. So, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, No no This is something that, you know, um, sometimes people are more serious or take things personally, which is like a very valid point. And uh, how to handle the rejections is the most important aspect of anything, I guess. Anything in the life, they have to think
0: it. I'll tell you something too. Yeah. I'll tell you one more point. I'll just add one more thing, real quick if it is because of you, say you are not great at selling, say, uh-huh. um, say you said something wrong or you rubbed the customer the wrong way, or you wrote a bad email or whatever. say it is because of you. Even if it is literally because of you, uh-huh. if you're going to take the rejection and not improve, then you're missing, you're missing an opportunity yeah, yeah. and you will be no better in your career 10 years from now, 20 years from now than you are today. But if you screwed up, it's really not that big a deal. Because there's always going to be another deal, always going to be another customer.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: if you learn from it, there's a really good chance that you, you won't have a repeat loss, <laughs> like a, a repeat, you know, uh, repeat occurrence if you've actually tried to take what happened uh-huh. and, and, and improve yourself. So even if it is you that literally lost the deal, yes. okay, fine. You could be upset, but learn from it. That's really, the, that's really what you got to do. Yes.
1: And there is always a lesson to learn. So thank you so much for sharing. And uh, moving towards our next segment is about tips and advice. It is a lot more like you know, tips and advice actually we already heard a lot of things from your career journey. But only to summarize in this section what uh, kind of, a, any tips or advice would you like to give to the students or the professionals who are looking to specifically get into this field, marketing and sales, and uh, looking for this as their long-term career option or their career choice?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, number one piece of advice, that I would give you is uh, don't wait for your company to teach you something, train you something or help you level up. So uh, Uh now in 2021, it is more important than ever to turn yourself into what's considered a linchpin in a company. So somebody that can do a lot of different things and do them effectively so that you are so valuable that a company probably won't replace you. So, and also not just in, in, in like across different business units, cause of course, if you're in sales, you're not going to, um, you're not going to transition into HR most likely Mm -hmm. or into finance, but you have to level up uh, if you're an SDR and you want to move to AE, you want to move to sales lead, team lead, Mm -hmm. sales manager, director, VP, like take the steps to learn the things that you need to learn to make you effective in the next role and start doing them, but Mm -hmm. don't wait on your company. There are companies that sponsor education, but go to Udemy, go to YouTube, go to podcasts, you know, audibles, books, and just start learning. Uh-huh. And start implementing. And start doing the things that you're gonna have to do in the next role before you actually do it. Or start or start improving the things that your company's taught you. Start writing better copies. Start writing better subject lines in your emails. Start start um start like uh uh maybe um putting together a better outbound cadence. Uh Start um, a variety of things you can do within your role. Obviously you don't want to step on other people's toes. If you're a peer, your peer is not going to like it. If you start telling them how to email better, unless they ask you for help. So don't, maybe don't do that, but do things that can affect you and learn so that you can implement things and improve yourself without waiting on your company to train you. And also if you want to grow in Mm -hmm. your career, um, so two paths for growth, right? Two paths for growth. You can grow in your career or you can grow doing your own thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So we
0: covered, you know, doing, uh, you know, the proper term is, is autodidact, where you're self-taught. You're doing your research. You're going to YouTube, Udemy, whatever you're learning. Now, you want to grow in your own career? Ask your manager what steps or what things you have to take on
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you get to the role that you eventually want to be promoted into. Mm-hmm. And ask that manager if you can start doing some of those tasks while you're in your current role that will mm-hmm. show initiative, that will give you exposure, and that will basically tee you up for the next obvious choice to move in a career in, in a, if you want to advance in your career. yes, That's one exactly. way to grow. Yeah, yeah. The other way to grow is through entrepreneurship, by starting your own thing, by doing a side hustle. It's very popular. Uh-huh. Don't quit your job. Just start to understand and build something in your spare time. Build a YouTube okay. channel write an, uh, you know, you know, go, I don't know, like go, go sign up for Fiverr and, and take uh-huh. some clients on, um, after five or on the weekends, go, uh, I don't know, go write a, write a book on what, you know, and go sell it on gum road. Like there's a lot of entrepreneurial ventures that will give you great exposure to how to build your own product, build your own brand, market yourself, sell yourself, sell a product that will not compromise your nine to five. Yes. And you do not have to go all in and stress yourself out when you have so many extra hours in a day. Mm-hmm. So I would say, if you want to grow in your career, learn and set yourself up with your, with your manager so that you can move that way. If you want to grow into entrepreneurship and doing your own thing, then just start with baby steps and make the most out of the time when you're not working in your nine to five. Don't compromise your nine to five. Yes. You don't bite the hand that feeds you, but you have weekends. You mm-hmm. have from six to nine every night depending on whether or not you have family and, and kids and whatnot, but there will always be some time for you to yep. start moving in that direction. So I'd say do that and stop watching Netflix for like two hours every night. Yep.
1: And this is really, very uh, wise actually because whoever earns like whenever you look for the success stories of other people, this is something we call it as an extra mile actually going ahead. Uh, even though you are stuck with your job or something, as you mentioned that, you know, uh, don't compromise and, uh, Always, you know, you, know, you, you have time actually if you think yeah, about it. You
0: always do. Always have
1: time. So yeah. definitely that is useful and the wise for the students and the professionals. Thank you so much for sharing. And to end the show, um, we have the last section, which is about the leadership. So you are truly leading your area of interest. So what is your leadership style and any specific leader that you always follow or admire and why?
0: Sure. Um, my, my specific leadership style, um, This is something that I've had since I was, well, one of my, one of my first jobs when I was very young um, was actually coaching tennis. I, I used to play a lot of tennis and I used to, I used to coach it at a summer camp. Um, but what I, what I got from that is when I, when I set people up and I help people succeed in their life and their career, that is one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done in my life. And, I, and you know it started when I was coaching kids at tennis camp and I would, I would see them improve and I would see them progress. And I'd, see them to get, I'd see them get to milestones and achieve things mm-hmm. that a couple months before they couldn't do. The same thing goes for when I manage a team. If I haven't helped you improve as a professional and a person and you haven't mm-hmm. achieved what you want to achieve, then I've failed you and my leadership style is to is to know what those goals are know what those long term milestones are and always try and help you achieve those it's not like every day i'm perfect there's like you know there's work to be done we have to hit milestones we have to hit revenue kpi that's fine but have that top of mind so that you always know that whatever whenever we you know sit down on one on ones or we chat and grab a coffee whatever let's set your life up to where you want it to be and let yep. me use all the resources and power that i have to get you there and to help you level up yourself so you can get there and i think that i don't know what the the style is like the the name of the style um but it would be it would be enabling and mm-hmm. and setting people up for success
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's it doesn't take away and i see a lot of leaders that are selfish and they don't care about that kind of thing. And I think that that kind of leader, first of all, I wouldn't even call them a leader, but will never truly be successful because you won't, you won't get the people who work with you to care about you Mm
1: -hmm. and for
0: you to be truly successful in business, to to hit your revenue numbers, to achieve uh, X percentage of growth. You have to have people passionate about, first of all, their work, Mm-hmm. people they work with so their peers the leadership and the goals that, that you set up for them and if they aren't passionate about that and they won't be passionate about that if they don't think that those goals align with their mm-hmm. interests so you have to know what those interests are and I think that uh, if the the leadership style or management style is, is more or less activity-based management that's an actual technical term for mm-hmm. when you align the activities of the business so everything from the amount of phone calls you're making, the amount of demos you're booking, the amount of meetings you're taking, you align those with revenue targets, and then you sort of basically show people how if they have their own you know their own things they want in life, how the activities that they can do on a day to day can lead them to mm-hmm. generate x amount of income and then eventually let them achieve success in whatever they want to do, purchase a new house, a car, whatever, get married doesn't matter. Um, that's activity-based management. So aligning everything so that it all syncs up. Um, but I think that that's just to have that, that human interest and, that, and just be completely selfless. And there's days when it's hard. It's, there's days when it's hard as hell to be selfless because you have so many of your own things going on. But to always come in every day with that attitude, I think that that's something that I, I try. I try my best to embody. And that is the leadership style that I'll always, I'll always aim to achieve.
1: And thank you so much. This is definitely a best leadership style to have because it is a lot more about serving others than you know thinking about the selfish reasons and uh, yeah. giving the other chance, uh, as, as you mentioned actually, enabling others to lead to their successes. So thank you so much. And uh, just to end, I'm going to end it with a quote which says that success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts definitely that is something i would like to conclude from the scott's journey career journey as well as the way he is leading his passion and uh, kind of a leadership he falls under so thank you so much scott i appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show and uh, hope audience you will enjoy this show and as i always say until we meet happy leading let's live together stay safe bye for now
0: thanks so much bye now
1: yeah thank you so much
0: indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.